I connect with the hearers of the John Gospel more than I do with any other hearers of any gospel. Uh, you know, I, you have Matthew's audience and Luke's audience and Mark's audience, and I, it's just something about John's people that I feel like I'd fit in with them. Uh, John's people had uh, a whole life uh, that was different from the life of Jesus. They, they were separated by uh, culture. They were separated by time, he wrote later in that first century. And they were separated by distance. A lot of them had never been to Israel. They'd never seen the places that uh, John talks about. They didn't speak the language that Jesus spoke. A lot of times whenever you'll see John say, Jesus said this thing in Hebrew, he always translates it then after that. And so we have an audience who never saw Jesus, never walked where Jesus walked, never spoke the language Jesus spoke, and didn't live predominantly within the culture in which Jesus lived. And so Jesus is... Uh, John tells the story of Jesus at, the, at this last meal together. And Jesus is reminding the people in that room that even though he's not going to be with them long, something else is going to show up. You know, I think we add a lot of things to the gospel. To the word, which is in John, which is Jesus. And we add, we, add, we add our own preferences, we add our own culture, we add our own traditions. And we say, everybody come to Jesus. Come down the aisle, give your life to Jesus plus my tradition. Give your life to Jesus plus my culture. And whether that be a culture of division or a culture of any, any sort of way in which we view the world, come to Jesus and respond to that gospel and also be like us. And that can get pretty detrimental to the gospel, can it? Because I've not been Jesus in my life. Now, I don't know if I'm the only one in the room who's failed to be Jesus or failed to have the same attitudes of Jesus, but when I, whenever I add my stuff, that drags Jesus down, doesn't exalt Jesus. And oftentimes, it can exalt me, and we don't want that. But in doing so, a lot of times in adding to Jesus, we've, all, we've often just taken away things. I don't know how, how many of you grew up Church of Christ. Um, and that's okay. There may, I'm going to say some things in just a second that make you go, y'all thought that? Yes, don't judge us. Uh, we love you too. Um, we love our Baptist friends and their committees. 
We've even adopted their practice. So there is a, like, but when I was growing up, the Holy Spirit was something we dissected and took away from Jesus. When we talked about Jesus, we talked about a man who lived and died and rose again and is king and wants you to be like me. That last part was an addition. But we had no way of telling you about the help that Jesus can provide now. Because what we focused on was get your Bible right, get the traditions right, get the debates right in the culture of division, and frankly, get the preferences right. Johnny talked about that last week, but I I remember a time when, when we moved the offering to after the invitation song. Break out the fainting couches. It was a debacle. Well, that's not how things have always been. Yeah. And it's, it, it was just so funny that, like, that, that's what we tied our preferences and our tradition and our culture to Jesus. But then you'd say, well, what's, what's the Holy Spirit's role in this? And our short answer was, we're not sure. Our long answer was skipping through different passages to get to a place where we could just show you that if you just get your Bible right, that's all that matters. When I'm called to a life, I'm called to a life that treats other people a certain way. I'm called to a life that acts like Jesus. And there are things in Deuteronomy that don't help me with that. Especially if I follow the way of the Benjamites in Numbers. I'm not a very good guy. I can't, I can't have a what would David do bracelet. There, there, there is the, the way of Jesus in my context looks specific to my world, but it's backed by the same spirit that exists in, in all of us because of Jesus. The way you deal with your sister-in-law, the way you deal with, with your co-worker, the way you interact with your so on and so forth, there's people in your life that you're going to have to be Jesus to, and there's only one way, only one avenue through which we live that out. And it's confusing going out into the world without Jesus holding my hand. It's tough. And that's where the disciples were. That's where the hearers of John's gospel were. Like, what does this look like in a world that doesn't know Jesus, that I haven't seen Jesus? What does that look like? And Jesus sits them down in this last meal together and says, I'm going away 
I'm going away soon. And they, they're perplexed. We could put that scripture back up on the screen from earlier. He says to them, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. There is not a good English word to sum up the Greek word that's here. Sometimes we think about translation as pulling a brick out and, you know, English brick, insert Spanish brick. And that's just not how the world works. That's not how languages work. This word's so big and heavy, it comes with, with history and understanding of situations that advocates a great translation. But just, I will send you someone who will stand beside you and guide you through the trials that come. I will send you somebody that will be with you and uh, allow you to lean on them whenever you don't know what the next thing needs to be. I'm going to send you an advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth. And the world doesn't know this. They can't receive this spirit. But you know this advocate, this helper, because he abides with you now and he will be in you in the future. When we separate the Holy Spirit from our message of Jesus, what we miss, and sometimes we miss it on a different level where we say, well, the Holy Spirit is something that tells me and guides me and like teaches me things and people will get up and say, well, the Holy, the Holy Spirit, uh, Randy, Randy Harris once in a class I've heard said uh, that someone said, well, the Holy Spirit is leading me to think this about this passage. Just that they were looking at some piece of text and they said, the Holy Spirit's leading me to think this. And Randy Harris said, well, what if the Holy Spirit's telling me you're wrong? And sometimes in church language, in church meetings, we can go, well, I'm just really convicted by the Spirit that the carpet needs to be this particular color. And we co-opt the Holy Spirit to sanctify our own opinions. That's probably not healthy, right? We can all admit that in the moment when we're having clear heads. What we miss with the Holy Spirit, whether we're using the Holy Spirit for our own advantage or we're using the, not, use, not even putting the Holy Spirit into our mind at all, is we miss that Jesus, Jesus the King, has committed to be with us. When we say Jesus, the Holy Spirit is with us, Jesus is saying, you know Him because He abides with you, this new Spirit. He abides with you. And will be in you, will reside in you. That the spirit of Jesus, the Messiah himself dwells in us. It's not some other acquaintance that we must get to know. But it's the Jesus we saw walking around. That whenever we are what, what, what the Spirit produces in us, that's because Jesus produced that in us. When we love others like Jesus loved others, right? The fruit of the Spirit isn't just 
you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kind of goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Like, it's not like this, this real, like, these are some things that are good. It's loving like Jesus loved. It's a joy that Jesus provides. It's peace we find in the, in the redemption we find in the Messiah. It's, it's, a, it's a patience with others like Jesus had patience with us. So like this, this production, this thing that Jesus provides, isn't just like nice traits. It's transformational. It's a transformed life. It, it dwell, Jesus dwells in us and produces in us more Jesus. More like the Messiah, more like the King. And if, if, if we just say, well, Jesus died, rose again, and now is King. And now, like, what's next for us? And we don't know the answer to that. We don't know the answer to how that's going to affect our life. We're missing something. Jesus is not, there's an old song. Um, God is watching from a distance. Is that it? From a distance, is that it? Um, God is watching from a distance. God is the Grinch on the mountain with a telescope. God is not watching us from a distance. God arrived on earth to walk with us. Jesus walked around and wherever Jesus went, heaven existed. Death was conquered. A throne was ascended to and we, are, we have not been left as orphans. We have not been left alone. That when, when God is with us, Jesus is with us, the Spirit dwells in us, that we, we are, something is produced within us that's, that the world can't know. That's why it's so dangerous when we look like the world, isn't it? And what I mean by that is I don't mean like, you know how the world uh, chews tobacco. You know, not that. Like sometimes when we talk about the world, it's these lists of sins that like we, they're sins we might do, but we don't let them in here. I say darn how holy of me. So sometimes it's that, but that's not what I mean here. What I mean when we look like the world is when we get caught up in the nonsense the world gets caught up in. That we're affected and, and tossed about like the world. The world is tossed about by this circumstance and that circumstance. But we are, we are anchored that our, our Redeemer has not only redeemed us from our sins, but has redeemed us from the brokenness of this world. The brokenness of this world that allow, that, that, that would, if we let it, would, would just keep us uh, 
off balance. But what we find in the Holy Spirit is, is this Jesus that wants to reside with me, in me, alongside me, to teach me, to be present, to convict me. That isn't some miraculous thing where it's like some sort of supernatural thing where I hear magic voices. But God being present with me is actually how the nature was supposed to happen. That I was supposed to get to walk in the garden with God. And now God walks in the garden with me. Or in the target. Or in the car. And so we are now the Jesus to the world. Not in our perfection, but in our presence. Not in our having gotten it all right. But in our ability to fully accept the good news of Jesus. That we can find hope in his resurrection, forgiveness in his death, hope in his resurrection, unity, unity in his throne, in his kingship, in his kingdom. But the way we do that is because we haven't mentally figured it out, but because we have in community with God a helper who walks with us. Open your heart to the spirit of Jesus. Open your lives and your attitudes and your brokenness to the spirit of Jesus. Because it's not, it's not someone you don't know. So if you come to Jesus, when you unite with Jesus, you may have to walk down the aisle, you may have to grab a friend and say, hey, I'm, I want to give my life to Jesus. But Jesus travels further to you than you do to him. And will travel further with you than you could have ever imagined. Let's pray together. Our Father, you are... You are so good to us. And all that we are, all that we're, all of our brokenness. You stay with us. You walk with us. And you've never left us. God, thank you so much for every step you made on earth and you make with us. We are truly redeemed by your blood, by your resurrection, by this community around this table and as we walk with your spirit. 
God, it has become a cliche. But we need to be guided. We need to be guarded. And we need to be directed. So walk with us this week. Overwhelm us with your presence. Overwhelm the world with what you produce in us. It's in your son's name we pray.